The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here, and Chris Kaufman is here. And I guess, uh, you know, I was going to change the name of the show to Orthopedics Per Carry, but, you know... It would have been in poor taste because our favorite quarterback just took a three, very severe. It's three surgeries per carry. Yeah. <laughs> or th- yeah. No, three surgeries per player. Oh my god! I just spent I spent uh, the better part. Because two has morning. had three now. Yeah, he's had three, and I spent the better part of my morning arguing with some guy, and this guy's in love with Justin Herbert, and he doesn't know that Justin Herbert's also falling apart. So was it Mike Tannenbaum? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could argue with Mike Tannenbaum because uh, what he said this morning, I'm telling you right now, I riot in Vegas, and I will be there. I'll be near the stage. I'll go up there, and I'll tackle whoever's going to announce the last pick. If the What Mike Tannenbaum said this morning on ESPN basically had the Dolphins passing on Tua Tungabailoa three times in the first round. If that happens, well, let me just say, it's not going to happen. Okay? Yeah, but who 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 took him eventually? Oh yeah, the New England Patriots, of course, because that's you yeah. know that's ESPN. That's uh, don't the miss Patriots the punchline. Yeah, that's the Patriots' hometown's uh, station. You know, they also have us tra- trading our first pick in the second round to New England for like a seventh round pick, so they could take Chase Young, who somehow dropped 32, 33 spots. You know what I mean? Whoa, what? Yeah, <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's what ESPN does. But anyway, enough about ESPN. Uh, it was a bad injury. If you saw the hit, you know, you could see how somebody got, hit, got injured from that. And it wasn't only his, his hip. He had his nose busted, and he was diagnosed with a concussion on the field. That, wh- this was basically who, a, a – who, who hit him? Was that – Three guys I mean, hit him. Was that a boss? <laughs> It's a car accident. He had a car I, I, accident. On the did field. he get? Did he get tackled by Thanos? What? I mean, because you're not supposed to take the injury he took to his hip, right? Yeah. And on top of it, he took a bloody nose somehow, despite the fact he was wearing a face mask, broken and helmet, and needed or bro- sorry, bro- broken nose. Yes. And a concussion. Yes. And that's not. God. That's not only it. Uh, there's a rumor right now that he needs surgery on the nose. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, no, it's, it was a pretty bad injury. And you would hear it, you know, if you would hear Twitter talk about it, you know, that his career's over. And there's some some very prominent, I would say, local podcasters and radio personalities that have all but written him off and said they wouldn't touch him with any draft pick, let alone the first overall pick. Yeah, Simon, but Orlando, Orlando Gary is a bellin, so, I mean, who cares about his opinion? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> well, okay, you, you, you let the cat out of the bag. Your opinion, Simon. Come April, if the prognosis is true, and we're going to get into it a little bit more because Chris has a lot of information on this. He's been digging into it all day. He's been playing junior orthopedic all day, so he's going to have a lot I'm, of I'm always playing junior orthopedist. So, Simon, the prognosis is good right now. So, you know, all systems seem to be go for football in 2020. What are you doing on April 23rd? <clears throat> As, are you asking me out? Well, you, you're going to be hmm. there with me in Las Vegas. Hmm. So I know where you're um, going to be. Um, no, in the nothing, same hotel? Nothing's changed for me. Okay. Nothing's changed. I mean, you know, bad injury, and I'm sure it'll get picked to pieces, um, but nothing's changed. I still take him with the first pick that we have. Nothing's changed. No matter how high it is? No matter how high it is. I mean, it's not going to be any worse than... I mean, it's going to be third, really, isn't it? I mean, the Jets won again, so it's yeah. going to be third or fourth. I mean, I'm taking him there. Well, I think and, you know, Washington unless has that second pick, I think. Yeah, unless um, they turn around and say, you know, there's something there that we don't know about yet, which you know could happen. But, but for me, but you, you don't. You we're don't unlikely to teleport. find that out. Yeah, exactly. We are unlikely to find that out. This is what kills me about people who are like, well, you know, wait till the, wait till we get clarity, wait till we get the information. How long have you all been part of the draft? When do we ever get real clarity on these things? When do we ever get real information? You never know. And then the guy falls like four rounds and it's like, oops, I guess that was pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Could do Maurice Hurst, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't see it. Yeah. I think at worst it's a Jalen Smith you know, and he falls to the second round or the back end of the first round. I don't see him falling out the first round. And frankly, I mean, you know, the team will do their medical evaluations of him and, you know, you'll probably get a sniff. But, I mean, look, the guy has been tweeting and Instagramming all day. He was playing ukulele in bed yesterday. That doesn't strike me as a you know, guy that is on the brink of a breakdown because he knows his NFL career is over. It looked to me like, Somebody who's been told you're going to be all right, it's going to be fine, it's going to be a long road of rehab, but you'll get back in it. And that's kind of where I'm playing at the moment. I don't know. The day you see me playing a ukulele is a day that something is seriously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ukulele is a happy instrument. If you were playing the piano, I'd be a little bit depressed. No? Don't get Chris talking about playing his happy instrument. <laughs> You know, had I seen him playing like classical piano, like I would have been depressed. I would have logged off of Twitter and said, okay, it's over. Let's start evaluating Justin Herbert tape. But he was playing a ukulele. That's happy. That's island music. So bit, anyway, Chris, know. you've been digging all day on, on, you know, you've been playing like, like we said, junior orthopedist. That's right. I'm part of the junior orthopedist. What league. have you learned? Because everybody said that this is like Bo Jackson. And I pointed out clearly to somebody yesterday on Twitter. Bo Jackson was 30 years ago, okay? Well, like, things have changed since then. That that 
that old um, that comparison was tired back in 2006 when it kept being brought out for Jason Allen. Remember him? We yeah. took him in the first round. Mm-hmm. He had I, a, wanted, I wanted Antonio Cromartie. Yeah, he had a well. Jason Allen had a hip dislocation in his senior year in Tennessee, and so there was a lot to do about it and comparing it to Bo Jackson and avascular necrosis and all this, you know, this bullshit that came out back then. It, and none of it ended up mattering. All that ended up mattering is the fact that Jason Allen wasn't a very good football player, and um, that's the biggest risk in the draft is that you take a guy that isn't a great football player, forget all the medical stuff, forget the character stuff. The greatest risk, the single greatest risk of taking any pick in the draft is that he's just not very good. Um, so, yeah, it didn't matter for Jason Allen. Uh, it, you know, I believe Priest Holmes ended up dislocating his hip and scored 27 touchdowns the next year. Other guys have done it. CJ Mosley has dislocated his hip. Um, he seems to be fine, right? Um, yeah, although although I was digging into that one because that one intrigued me because that's a guy that plays kind of violently, and you would think mm-hmm. that if you had a dislocated hip and you play violently, I guess you can compare a linebacker to the type of contact that a quarterback's going to take. But I learned that CJ Mosley did not have surgery, so I would think that that's a pretty yeah. important distinction. Well, they popped it back in, and um, yeah. and even when you break something in there, sometimes they go the non-surgical route. They let it set itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that as long as blood supply wasn't um, wasn't disrupted which is for long enough, which it was in Bo Jackson's case because mm-hmm. he continued playing on it, and they just didn't know any better. Um, if the blood supply gets uh, gets disrupted for long enough, a, a degenerative condition sets in, and then eventually, eventually, that is the Bo Jackson thing. There's a very small chance of that happening. They said they they were able to set it in the stadium before he even helicoptered out. Um, really, what you've got is probably. I mean, Albert Wilson had a similar injury, injury, a, a small fracture and um, a labrum tear in the hip. Uh, I don't know if his was actual an actual dislocation or a subluxation, but it um, but it's basically the same. He's already come back, and he's he's a speed agility receiver, and we never really even questioned that he was coming back. It was it, you know compare that to how we're thinking about Tua right yeah. now. Like oh my god, his career is over. He's a quarterback. You know this was Albert Wilson's a a slot receiver, and we were never even questioning whether he was going to come back or not. So everything is sunny in Tuscaloosa, according to um, to Dr. Lyle Kane, who's the the Alabama head orthopedist, and he keeps releasing these um, these very optimistic uh, um, statements in which he calls for a full recovery. I think that is significant, even if other people think that he might be biased in some way. He's also the closest to the situation and has the most information of anybody and information is the problem. We don't have it. And only a select few people do have it. And as we go through the process, uh, you're not going to get it. That's what I was trying to impress upon you earlier is you think that, Oh, it's, it's all going to come out, but not really. I mean, it's going to be a bunch of rumor and innuendo. You're going to have some flamethrowers that start anonymously making comments on, on the various websites or media sites saying, oh, my God, it's the worst thing ever. I'm not going to draft him in, in any of the seven rounds. And then you'll have other people being like, yeah, he's still number one overall pick. Uh, you're not going to know. And so that's why I kept talking to some of the medical professionals that I know. Um, I know somebody, a doctor that's worked in sports medicine. I know somebody that worked for James Andrews himself, um, you know, was was talking or was getting some word from uh, an Olympic trainer uh, on, on this issue. 
And the only eyebrow-raising thing so far is that when Lyle Kane described the recovery process, he said that he would have a partial weight-bearing recovery process for six weeks, followed by athletic um, performance or athletic activities after three months, and then he'll be throwing by the spring. Um, that was pretty sunny. That was pretty optimistic, and it yeah, wasn't very fun. consistent. It wasn't very consistent with – the previous reports that he had a, you know, quote unquote, posterior wall fracture um, to the hip. And so it, it's, I'm not saying there wasn't that. I'm just saying that that what he described was, was not necessarily consistent with it. So you have to take with a little bit of a, um, a grain of salt, the, the reports, you know, media reports of what kind of exactly he had the fracture. That's not official. Nobody's nobody at Alabama or associated with Tua has gone on record saying what exactly he's had. So maybe there was a fracture. Maybe there wasn't a fracture. If there wasn't a fracture, it's not nearly as serious. Um, so that's one thing. He went to Houston, had the surgery. And the other thing is, you know, given that the, the matchup is bad between so what we supposedly know about the injury versus what Lyle Kane described as his recovery process. Um, you wonder about that surgery in Houston because obviously Tua would be, if anybody would be a prime candidate for anything new, you know, kind of innovative as far as techniques for surgery would go, it'd be to, it'd be the quarterback for the team that uses tightrope procedures for the common ankle sprain. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It kind of raises some eyebrows. It's still a little bit of a mystery based on the prognosis that the Alabama doctors laid out. You have no reason not to draft him, but, um, yeah. but a lot of it's going to, a lot of it's going to come down to the, the continuing medical feedback that the teams are going to get over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, everybody knows that um, that's not new, but uh I think what people aren't necessarily acknowledging is that, yeah, the teams are going to get that shit. We're not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, we are going to be left guessing for a while. And, um, but I do think that things are looking kind of up right now based on what we do know. Yeah. I don't know any doctors that, that overpromise <laughs> and underdeliver. It's usually the other way around. Like they want to, they want to look like heroes when, Tua Tagovailoa is up and up and about throwing in August. You know what I mean? That's true. I think that's right. And I think that if you go back to the Drew Brees, I compared it to the Drew Brees decision. You know, or Big O was it? He said that you would stay away from Tua at any. <laughs> yes. You know, stay away from it at all costs and stuff like that. And I, I said, I told him that that uh, this word of caution brought to you by the the folks at the law firm Saban, Culpepper, and Breeze. You know, when opportunity knocks, you go hide in the closet. I mean, that's yeah. Um, that's what it reminds me of because Saban listened to the doctors, but he didn't listen to the doctor. The doctor was James Andrews. That was the one that performed the surgery on Drew Breeze, mm -hmm. and absolutely used more attachments in the shoulder than he'd ever used before. And after the surgery, he was like, nah, I don't know about this. That was, that's what James exact quote. Um, and James Andrews later, a couple months later, did a recheck on him right before the eve of free agency and saw that, you know, things were progressing nicely. And he was like, yeah, you know, fuck, this is, this is heading toward full recovery. Um, uh, you know, and that's what, that was his prognosis at that time. But we ignored that and the saints didn't. And they're the better for it. And yeah. we won't. Yeah. And they got a Hall of Fame career out of it. Now, Simon, what do you make of this? I don't know when this started. 
But when did this franchise, uh, or I should say this fan base, when did this fan base who's been, <clears throat> who's been starved for a franchise quarterback for the better part of almost 30 years, okay, when did they become this, I don't know, scared and risk-averse uh, cowering in the corner fan base where now that now they're waiting to to draft people in the second round and if they take two or they want to take two more quarterbacks in the in the second and third round and if not they'll want to take Herbert with a high pick and then take Jalen Hurts with a late first round pick when did this start do these people understand how you win in this league is by taking chances being bold um I, I think it goes I, I think your question goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago about unconscious bias. By the way, I drank an entire milkshake during Chris's first answer, just in case people were wondering about noise. Yeah, no, um, I didn't eat twice. Um, uh, look, I think people are right to be concerned. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. I think people are right to be concerned. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, you know, it does. It does answer. It does pose some questions now. There are concerns moving forwards. You know, is he injury prone? Um, and I don't think it's beyond the realms of um, debate that you can ask those questions, um, because the last two seasons he's essentially been unable to finish them properly because he's been hurt. He's had knee issues, two ankle surgeries, and now a pretty serious hip dislocation, um, and subsequent you know, issues with the hip. Um, I think that people have a right to be concerned, especially when you look at something like Matthew Stafford or, um, you know, Drew Brees latterly, the New Orleans Drew Brees or Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, guys like that, you know, who have consistently played generally through the, the greater parts of their careers. Whereas, you know, you're looking at investing the third, fourth, second overall pick in a guy who you could argue is as injured in terms of ser level of seriousness as any quarterback to have come out in the last... I can't think of another one, really. Uh, I can't either. Uh, I don't remember. Do you remember one, Chris? Well, Bradford. Bradford was had a pretty yeah. extensive yeah, yeah, injury. Bradford, yeah. Bradford, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, at least Sam Bradford played in his final season at Oklahoma. He won the Heisman, didn't he? I mean, you know, this kid is not going to play for potentially eight, nine months. Um, you know, and you're essentially putting the entire future of your franchise, this entire tank that we've been talking about for, for six, seven, eight months, is now on the shoulders of a kid who will not throw for eight months because he's coming off a very serious hip injury, coming Quick off correct. a very... Oh, go ahead. I was just no, going to give you a quick correction on Bradford because he only played three games in his final year. Oh, did he? Okay, he must have won the Heisman his junior year. Um, but he, you know, this is a guy that's coming off a serious hip injury, that's coming off a fairly serious ankle injury, that's coming off a, another serious ankle injury, that's coming off a serious knee injury the year before. Where, you know, he, was, he had his knee in a brace and he was cycling around on a, one of those strange bikes to protect his knee at the Heisman ceremony. Uh, almost a year ago. So I don't think it's risk averse to say that people can be concerned. I think it's right for people to, to be concerned. Look, I love the kid and have loved him for as long as I can remember, but I am concerned that he's injury prone. What happens if he gets fallen on or if he, you know, if he breaks a shoulder or he tears his ACL or he tears his Achilles or, you know, at what point 
does the risk outweigh the reward? He is a phenomenal talent. To me, he's the best quarterback since Andrew Luck. And I think he's probably better than Andrew Luck, actually, coming out. But at what point do you worry about the injuries? And they're yeah. a major concern, especially behind an offensive line that's as putrid as ours. And it takes a while for offensive lines to gel together. You know, it's all right for us to say, oh, we've got all these picks and we've got all this cap money and we can just build an offensive. Well, that takes time. And it's not as simple as, you know, how long have we been saying that we need to build an offensive line in Miami? You know, it's been a while. So that would be a concern. So I don't think it's risk averse to be worked, to be worried. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be drafting two quarterbacks in the first two rounds, but I would, I would definitely have a worry about it. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that having those three picks and two more picks in the second round and then two more picks the following year in the first round means that you can't take a gamble? You can take a gamble on Tua Tonga Bailoa. And if he is not right, and if you think there could be something wrong going forward, you can always get another one. You know, you have the ammunition to go and get another one. You do, but do you have because you have the ammunition? Is that and I'm playing devil's advocate here? Because you have the ammunition, does that mean that it's okay to inverted commas waste a pick? I don't know. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I would consider it. I would consider it a lottery pick that is giving me pretty good odds of hitting. So let's say. So let's say that it's a lottery pick that let's say it's a lottery ticket that pays a million dollars, but the odds for me to hit it are a hundred to one. Guess what? I'll buy that ticket over and over and over and over again because I could buy it nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand times and still stay ahead. So but I think it's. I think, I think, we're, think we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking bet. about like hundred to one lottery tickets, you know, and like you know wasted draft picks and stuff like that. I mean, there's no reason at this point, even from an injury standpoint, even the only okay the 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 only way you definitely lose on Tua for sure is if this if the blood supply issue takes root, which. Uh, according to things I've read as well as things I've heard is very little chance of that, that actually occurring because the hip was able to be set right within the hour, basically right there in the stadium. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't see that being a problem. So the, I, I think that the, the point that's being <coughs> lost with a lot of these people is that you, you have always almost always needed to be bold in order to go ahead and get that franchise quarterback. You know, the, the, the one that the elite level franchise quarterback, and this is the point that I tried to make on Twitter earlier is that I don't know if GM, I don't know if Chris Greer has the history of being bold versus being safe um, to, to go ahead and make the, make the bold choice, make the, the risky move. Whereas you look at what the Texans had to do to trade up and get Deshaun Watson, who was a guy that, you know, people weren't putting their names next to him they wanted you know Mitch Trubisky went up top and and Deshaun Watson started falling down the board Patrick Mahomes fell down the board you know he was a he was a big 12 guy air raid guy that didn't know how to work a pocket and and so Andy Reid traded up and took him they they took bold moves I mean Philadelphia made a bold move to go up two times trade up two times to get an FCS quarterback that had a season and a half's worth of starting I mean, if you look at if you look at Drew Brees, I mean, look at New Orleans. They bet on the man. They bet on the player, Drew Brees, and not on what some of the outside opinion, you know, doctors were telling them about Drew Brees. Um, they look at what they did with uh, with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I mean, if you don't think that Brett Favre was all up in the ear 
saying, no, you need, we need to win now this, you know, I'm at the, I'm reaching toward the, the back end of my career and we need the first round help to win right now. I mean, that's, these were all bold, risky moves in order to get your franchise level elite quarterbacks, Seattle with Russell Wilson. I mean, the list goes on. And but so I, I suppose the point with the hip, make though, the move. I suppose the point with the hip, though, is it's not about the hip, is it? I mean, the hip is just one part of the puzzle, the injury puzzle. Mm. The questions are moving forwards as to whether or not he is you know, susceptible to injury more so than anybody else. And therefore that hip becomes an ACL, becomes a shoulder, becomes a clavicle, becomes a, a rib, becomes a broken leg, becomes a broken ankle. Do you know what I mean? It's if that, I think that's the bigger question, surely. If we're taking the or... hip aside though, then it's mainly about it's mainly about the ankles, right? But the ankles mm. were basically elective surgeries. Like, I mean he he, he ended up having surgery on the ankle because this is an Alabama thing. Yeah, and you both know, of them supposed to be like corrective surgeries where but he still yeah, suffered prevent. But he still suffered two high ankle two serious high ankle sprains. That's well I mean a high ankle sprain, yeah, it it, it, it <laughs> happens. But this was literally this first game that he missed, which um which Mac Jones started a couple weeks back before the L S U game. That was the first game he's missed at his in his in his time in Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't that doesn't that count for something? I mean, this oh, is no, a for sure. who rehabs question, like hell, who rehabs like hell, willing to take you know to 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 put himself on the line for the team, you know, play through pain. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that's the part of it people aren't aren't going to get is like, yeah, these players often take nicks and scrapes. They play through it. That's what players do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But then look when he played through it and he had to come out of the game against Georgia. And he wasn't healthy against Clemson. Well, he, let's be, that's let's because be he, he actually he actually hurt himself in Georgia in the Georgia game, and he and yeah, he tried to no, play well, through. He no, he'd already hurt himself before, and then he re-injured it in the game. Yeah, but he tried. He played three quarters on it, and he shouldn't have. No, for like, sure. He, but this, these are the questions that are going to be asked by general managers, and these are the questions that we're being asked as fans, you know, from fans mm-hmm. about the situation, and you know, we can't sugarcoat it. You know, there has to be moving. You know, you read that Kaylin Kaler article in, in Sports Illustrated last night where she spoke to three or four different senior general managers and senior scouts. And all of them are like, this puts a different perspective on where we are in terms of the, the bigger picture with him, in terms of the, the, the possibility of him being susceptible or more susceptible to injury than a Jalen Hurts, than a Joe Burrow, than a, you know, it, it may turn around. Look, the, the flip side of that is that Frank Gore had two ACLs at Miami, has never you been know. injured in, you know, in the NFL. And you know, he might Willis just McGee, be like that. And Willis <laughs> McGee, he had a, a catastrophic injury. And he had it in the national championship game, and he went on to have a great career. So, we, had a, we had a footballer here at, um, at Liverpool called Steven Gerrard, who some people listening might yeah. know about. When he was growing up, 17, 18 years old, he was injured all the time. And he was injured specifically because he was just a growing human being. Um, he's kind of the same, too, is a little bit older, but pretty much the same age bracket. Once Steven started playing as a full-time professional rather than playing in, in the reserve and in the youth side, and when he grew into that body of his, all of a sudden... He was never injured. He was very rarely out. He was, a, you know, became arguably the best player in, you know, in the last twenty years of, of English football. There is a possibility that Tua does exactly that. He's almost growing through 
these growing pains as it were and he becomes you know somebody that you can rely on week in week out and he's just been look he had three big guys fall on his hip it's unfortunate it's unlucky it's unlucky it's just you know i don't think you can answer the question but i do think it obviously will make up part of the discussion the flip side of what chris is talking about in terms of chris greer his job's on the line you know we've said this for months and months and months his job is on the line you know, do you take Justin Herbert? Do you take, you know, I don't, I don't think you can take a guy like Jordan Love if your job is on the line. I think you can take a guy like Tua if your job is on the line because I think that the expectation level with Tua is higher. But also, if he sat behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for, for half the season or an entire season, I think Chris Greer keeps his job. I think if Jordan Love comes in and sits and doesn't look particularly great and is finding it a little bit difficult to grasp, you know, the nuance of the NFL game, which I'm not saying he would, but if he did, that would perhaps look more dimly upon Chris Greer's decision-making than it would if, if he, you know, if he takes tour and tour sits to rehab the hip and, you know, maybe it's just not quite a hundred percent. I think that works more in his favor. And also look, if somebody else takes tour and then he starts ripping up the league and Chris Greer bottled it, that doesn't look like good for him either. Idiot, of course. You know? Well, Williams that's said. already happened essentially with Lamar Jackson, has it not? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Stephen and Stephen Ross wanted to take Lamar Jackson, which makes me think maybe that that draft card is not in Chris Greer's hands when it the could quarterback be. when the quarterback of Stephen Ross's choice is on that mm. board. Yeah, I think I a- think Boss Ross will have to be convinced about whoever it is, and yeah. he better you know it's got to be his. It's going to be his top guy too. Peter King's column today was very interesting because it talks through the process with um, Ozzie Newsom and Eric DeCosta about the process of drafting um, Lamar Jackson and how it came about <clears throat> and the two teams that they were most threatened by in terms of missing out on Jackson as they traded down and then traded down again in the first round was Denver and Miami. And they were concerned massively that one of those two teams was going to deal back up. And ultimately, they pulled the trigger when they did. But that was a concern. And you know, for, you know, and they talked in this piece about how they backed their knowledge base and they talked about the knowledge base which they got from insiders in the league, from journalists working contacts. You know, they, they, they work quite closely, I think, with a number of journalists who work their own contacts with other teams. Um, and, and furnish them with pieces of information. And the information they had was that Denver and Miami were keen. You know that that was Steve Ross pushing that. You know, we mm-hmm. know that was Steve Ross pushing that, mm-hmm. that envelope in terms of Lamar Jackson. And now look, you know, it's him and Russell Wilson as a toss-up for, for MVP. And Russell Wilson, obviously the guy that Brett Bielema, who <laughs> came for his head coach interview and said he was, the, he was the quarterback he wanted to draft for the Dolphins and didn't get the job. And look, it's the two front runners for the MVP candidacy. So... What do you know? Yeah. Now, let me say a couple of things, and then I'm going to ask uh, both of you to re- react to a poll that we've been running on the Three Yards Per Carry Twitter account. Uh, one thing to remember is that at one time, Justin Herbert had two major injuries in three years. He had a broken leg. He had a broken collarbone. He has since played two full, or he's about to complete his second full season without any injuries. So maybe it's true what you're saying, Simon, that people do grow into their bodies. And Justin Herbert, while he was a a 6'6", 190-pound lanky kid, was breaking down. But now that he's about 235 pounds, he doesn't, you know? So it could be something as simple as that. 
So mm. had, had you gone back in time two years ago, and let's say you fancied Justin Herbert, and you passed on him because he had a broken leg and a broken collarbone twice inside of three years, then you would have missed these last two seasons that he's been completely healthy. Now, we've all heard all the speculation. I like Burrow. I like Herbert. I like this guy. I like that guy. No, let's trade down. Take Chase Young. I'm going to call bullshit on all those people because I ran a poll this morning, and when you go to do a Twitter poll, okay, it doesn't you – don't, you don't get to bandwagon what the other people say. This poll's been running for eight hours, so it still has 16 hours left. There's, over, there's, over, there's about 2,000 votes on the poll. And the question is, if Tua Tonga-Vailoa's prognosis is good, which is what we have so far, meaning full recovery and back to football in 2020, the choices are these. Draft with our first pick. Draft with a lower first-round pick. Pass. I like another quarterback. I am out on Tua. This is how it breaks down. 60% would draft them with our first pick. 29% would draft them with a lower first-round pick. 5% would pass because they like another quarterback. And 6% are out on Tua. So it is – this fan base is kind of all in on Tua Tagovailoa, isn't it, Slammer? And all, yeah, although, all the other noise <clears throat> bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, although I did set up about 60 burner accounts and voted 60 <laughs> times for, for yes, I'm, I'm in on him and I dropped him. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, the, no, they are. They are. And it's understandable. Look, the guy's got ridiculous talent. You only have to watch the game. You only have to watch the LSU game to realize uh, what, a, what a warrior, what a great player he is. So yes, I can understand why people are all in on him. One thing we haven't touched on is the, you know, and I don't want to get too far into the culpability of Nick Saban in this, but I, I will say this, that this is, I mean, we talk about this as a freak injury and, and, I think that's used as sort of a, a way to play off the ankles role in, in this, that, that it's just a freak injury. There's nothing. But I mean, if you look at the play, I mean, so I don't know, based on what I'm seeing, it looked like he didn't, it looked like the pressure came down. Like he came down hard on that knee. I mean, that's what happened is you come down hard on the knee with guys on top of you. Um, and then the knee, you know, jams the femur straight back into the, uh, into the pelvis, into the, the ball and socket joint. And that's, that's how they end up with the dislocation. Uh, it looked like he went down harder on that knee because he was babying the ankle to me. I mean, because he didn't, he didn't want to put pressure on the ankle. And so, I mean, we're talking about the injuries and sort of stacking and yes, there was a high ankle sprain last year that they they elected to do a tightrope with and in order to, and this is supposedly going to prevent ankle sprains in the future. Let's be honest. Um, and then this year there was another one and you're right. It's like, wow, that's two in a, two in a row. Is there something there? What's, what's going on? Um, but I think that this happened because of that second ankle sprain and specifically because they were rushing him back so quickly. And we saw him at the end of the LSU game, right? I mean, hmm. He was he was hobbling around. I mean, now, and, the, that, and it was strange. That that's not like because everybody would say, "Oh, look, look what a warrior! He's fighting through pain." I'm like, he, "Well, this is a new injury." I was thinking to myself, yeah. "This is new." This this. Well, is I not, mean, he was hobbling around. He took some beatings and yeah. also this had nothing to do with those ankles. He had he well, ma maybe, but he's 21 days outside of surgery. I mean, they you know they they did a lot in there, and that surgery itself is destructive and requires a lot of recuperation so I you know I think that he was rushed back um he probably got beaten up a little bit in the LSU game because he was rushed back but 
But, I mean, even looking at the play itself, he doesn't want to come down on that ankle, and that's why he came down on that knee. Um, Which is strange, it, right? Well, I mean, not strange. Why, well, why would strange, it be strange that he doesn't want to come down on the ankle? Yeah, he's playing football psychologically, which means there's something wrong with him. You know, he's well, right. I mean, that's the, the, I think we, we, we had this confusion a half hour before the game. You're yes. all of a sudden saying to me, hey, Tua's not going to play today. I'm like, what? what do you mean? You said Nick Saban doesn't like how he looks in warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, okay, well, that would make a lot of sense to me. Look at how he was hobbling at the end of the LSU game. He needs a week off. This is Mississippi State. Mac Jones can beat them. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, wait, now he is going to play, I guess, you know, I guess maybe it sounded like maybe Tua tried to convince them or something like that. Well, here's the timeline of it. Cause I remember it clearly. Cause it's my, it's a tradition of mine. Every Saturday morning, I have my breakfast. I sit with my daughter, I have my coffee and we watch game day. Okay. It's my, although the show hasn't been all that great as of late, but it's still a tradition. I watch game day and I see what's going on and I pick up on, they have a, a reporter at the game, and he says, Tua Tungavailoa is out there warming up. Nick Saban says he doesn't like his warm-up, and Tua Tungavailoa has now been demoted to second-team warm-up, which indicates to me, and this is the reporter speaking, that he is not starting this game. Then they asked Nick Saban 10 minutes before the game who was starting, and Nick Saban said, I still have 10, make, 10 minutes to make a decision. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. we find out five minutes before the game that Tua Tungavailoa is on the sideline throwing to first-team wide receivers and behind the first-team center, and he's warming up as if he's going to play. So this thing went right down to the wire. So you can Please. understand how people let's are be, suspicious. Let's be realistic, yeah? Look at the way he was the week before against LSU. This is Mississippi State, a really bad Mississippi State team as well, mm-hmm. not a Nick Fitzgerald mm-hmm. Mississippi State team of two years ago who, you know, almost beat them. And, and, you know, Jalen Hurts scored in the final drive to win the game in Starkville. It's not that team. He should not have been playing in that game. Right. From the start, exactly. quite frankly. And he certainly shouldn't have been playing at 35-7, regardless of what he said to Nick Saban, regardless of saying, put me in coach, put me in coach. At some point, Nick Saban has to have some responsibility to say, you know what, kid? You're playing on a bad ankle. You're, we're up 35-7. You know, Max got this. Brian Robinson and, and Najee have got this. The, the receiver boys have got this. You know, we're up by, you know, 28 points. We're all right. He should not have been in that game at that point. And he certainly, for my mind, should not have been in that. You know, you, you've got nothing to gain now from, from beating Alabama State, Ole Miss, and, and whoever else they've got to play. The rest of the Auburn, maybe. And bringing back to the Auburn game, you know, try and get into the SEC championship game, see where you are in terms of the playoff, but don't play him in that game. You don't need to play him in that game. Keep him, you well, know, keep him on the sideline if you needed to as the emergency quarterback, but beyond that, he shouldn't be playing. And I, I go back to, the again, the mechanics of it, the, the actual play, because he's running to his left, right? And he's, he throws with his left, and he launches off his left foot. Like, he, he launches off the left foot to get the throw off with his left arm. And so he's swinging around the right foot and he's got two guys on him. He's got two, two guys on him when he does it. He comes down on the right foot, which is the ankle sprain foot, right? That's the one. And you can see, like, as soon as he comes down on it, it's coming down kind of awkwardly and he pulls it up. He pulls, he pulls it up because he doesn't want to put force on that, on that ankle. 
because it's injured. So instead, he pulls it up, and all of the force, his and two other guys, all of the force jams right down onto his right or his right knee, and that's what broke the hip, or that's what, or we think there could be a fracture. We're not one hundred percent sure, but you know, certainly it's what dislocated the hip. And so I think that one injury injury certainly led to the other. So, and that goes to the issue. Well, is he just injury prone? What is it? No, I think he just had a string of some bad breaks, a bad bad luck here, uh, especially this these last two. You know, um, I don't know that I'd really use this to say, oh, he has some sort of condition or something. I had a doctor talking to me. Yeah, I wonder what does he have some sort of autoimmune thing going on or <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think that I, it's a question. I, I get it. And Simon's 100% right. It's a question you got to ask and you got to bat around there. But I think ultimately we've all seen football players go through a couple of years where they had an, a nick and scrape here and there. And, um, and the difference here is that one of those nicks and scra- scrapes led directly to a catastrophic injury. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sorry. Uh, the original question that we asked a little while ago was, you know, what will you do? And only Simon got to answer. He said he wouldn't change a, a damn thing. He'd still take him number one overall. First of all, I would feel the room, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't play too much with that pick if I know that there's teams directly behind me that could take a quarterback, I take him as high as possible. And if that means taking him second overall or third overall, and let's face it, it's going to be third overall because the Redskins are not winning another game the rest of this year. And the Bengals are going 0-16. That's, you know, that, that's, that's a lock. Okay. Mm. So we're picking third. You know, I don't see, you know, like, are you going to really play around with that pick and try to trade down to like, let's say seven or eight. And then Denver, we think, because I haven't, you know, I read so much stuff on from Denver beat writers this past week to try to see where they're at as far as a quarterback. And they seem to like Drew Locke. But still, will you trust them, you know, to move up a couple of spots in front of you and not take a Tuatonga by Aloha? I wouldn't. So El- yeah, I Elway's take, I made himself clear. What Elway's made himself clear about short quarterbacks, though. I don't, I don't trust them. I, I don't trust them. I just would not trust them. So I would take him third overall, and it would be – if you want to call me afraid of losing him, yeah, I'm afraid of losing him because I think he's the best quarterback in the class, and I think – and I have a little faith that he will return. And if we are nervous about him, you can always double up, get another quarterback late in the second round, maybe in the third round. Maybe CK's favorite guy, Desmond Ritter, is out there. You know, maybe he'll make it to the third round. Maybe he's probably a second-round guy. But since Jacob Eason's around, I would say that Ritter's probably a third-round guy. So, uh, who knows? Maybe you get lucky and you like Jalen Hurts a lot, and he drops. And he's shown reason to drop as of late. And maybe he drops to late in the second round, third round, and you can maybe swing a, tr- a, a trade to get him. So, I think it, I think can, but I take the interesting third overall. I think the interesting thing about this injury is that, in a good way, it's made it more likely that the Dolphins are going to draft him or the Dolphins are going to get him, or at least he's going to be there when the Dolphins pick. That they're going to have an opportunity at him, absolutely. Yeah, because I, th- I think it, what it now does is elevate, you know, I can't see past Joe Burrow now to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I think it would be harsh on Dwayne Haskins given the lack of talent at receiver, no Trent Williams, lack of talent on that offensive line. 
just to give up on Dwayne Haskins, as bad as he's looked, but it, it would be tough to give up on him. Let's be honest. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Jets obviously don't need a quarterback. Um, you know, so that looks like a landing spot potentially for Chase Young. You, you might say Chase Young, but you might also say Andrew Thomas for the, for, the, for Washington. But all of a sudden that throws, you know, you don't suddenly see a load of teams. You don't see teams trading up for Tua if, you know, there's question marks around the hip, there's question marks around his, around his status in terms of whether or not he's injury prone. So all of a sudden, you know, Tampa, Denver, teams like that, you know, that's where Justin Herbert, sorry, excuse me, that's where Justin Herbert comes into play and you suddenly think, actually, it, it might be a blessing in disguise that the guy's, you know, awful for him, but it might be a blessing in disguise that he's not playing for the rest of the season because, you know, you're not seeing him put up more magic numbers and making amazing throws and now there's a little bit of question mark and his future's a little bit up for grabs and, you know, I think with the way that Miami's playing and the potential to win a couple more games, you just never know. He was on his way. I mean, I thought anyway, he came out. I mean, I thought he had a fantastic game against LSU. And uh, overall, I mean, look, at yeah, there were some early mistakes, but he sort of battled through and willed his team into it. And I thought it was just – it answered questions. It was a question-answering game that he had against LSU. And then he came out. He was damn near perfect against Mississippi. I know they're not a great team anymore. Um, and they're not a great defense anymore. But he was damn near perfect in that game. And it kind of gave you a glimpse of like, oh, God, this is this is how it's going to be for the rest of the year. He's going to play out the schedule, maybe get in the bowl game and do this. And it's just going to be – it's going to be too good. It's going to be too good for Miami. And I think it would be like sort of the height of irony. Um, I'd almost die of the irony if uh, if Nick Saban, after being coached for Miami, Nick Saban screwed us out – of two elite quarterbacks in two successive years by making the wrong decision. And then all these years later, he screws us into an elite franchise quarterback by still making the wrong decision about whether to play him in this Mississippi state game. That would just be, you know, kill me, kill me dead right there. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that you're right, Simon, that we wouldn't be, like I said on the podcast last week, in in my heart, I had given up on Tua because I thought that he's not going to make it to our pick, and um, or, or anywhere in range even for us to um, to trade up for him. But now, but now this, this guarantees us a shot. If they want him, they can get him, and it 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 really is Chris Greer's move. Absolutely, and don't be risk averse, Chris. Be bold. Be bold. You have three picks. Trust and your me. owner likes it. Yes. And your owner's, yeah, your owner's going to be behind you. Trust me. If your owner's going to sign that check, he's going to say, do it. And he sends in that card. And I'm pretty sure he's going to want to send in that card because he's going to want to make a, I'm not going to say a spectacle, but he's going to want to make a statement with it because that's usually what owners like to do when, with their franchise quarterback, with, their, with the face of the franchise. Because as soon as he gets picked, that's the new phrase, face of the franchise. I'm pretty sure he's going to want to send it in. He's going to want to take pictures with him. He's going to have a, a jersey ready for him. Who knows? Maybe he forces Josh Rosen to drop number three. I just don't see them passing passing up on this guy. And when he falls right to your lap. And if he has a Hall of Fame career after we pass up on him, that's just a disaster. That's enough to just get everybody fired in the franchise. Just, you know, just fold the franchise. Move him to London. Okay? Anyways, that's it. There is no more. We, did, we gave you an entire Tua Tungabailoa episode. And it seems like, you know, judging by these poll results, that that's what you wanted. So 
You got it. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.